Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh and I'm joined by my friend and my co-host Alex. Uh, we took yesterday off. We were debating actually doing like a day three recap of the NFL draft, the final recap. However, we decided to wait until most, if not all, of these UDFAs have been signed by the Giants. So we're going to give you a lot of stuff in this episode. It hopefully won't take too long, though. Uh, we're gonna. Th- there's a lot of info. So if I'm going in order of our agenda today, we're going to be talking about Saquon Barkley just to start our show super quickly uh, and an update with his contract. That's basically it. Uh, then we're going to go through the picks of the Giants made in day three. And after that, we're going to go through the UFA, UDFAs the Giants signed. And then after that, the rookie minicamp tryouts are going to be occurring. And then after that, <laughs> we're going to be talking about our overall thoughts on this year's NFL draft. So a lot to cover um, and a little bit amount of time to do it. So Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a full day now since the conclusion of the NFL draft. Uh, you know, kind of sad that it's over. It's always a big fun time. And, uh, you know, it was fun, you know, seeing all the Giants picks and all the maneuvers that Joe Shane and company made. But uh, now it's kind of the fun time where we see where this draft class really starts to shape up. And, uh, you know, some of these undrafted free agents and we'll have the rookie mini camp, like you mentioned, in a few days as well. Uh, and we have some of the players who will be attending that. So all in all, very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, I guess we can get into Saquon Barkley first. Um, so Josh, do you want to read, uh, what he had to say or what Joe Shane had to say? I should say, should say, should say, um, about the Saquon Barkley contract situation. Yeah. So Saquon Barkley regarding him, uh, Joe Shane, this press comment after the draft said, we'll have a conversation with him. We had conversations last week, general man, uh, general manager, Joe Shane told reporters touching base again. We'll circle up after the draft, see if it makes sense or not through dialogue we'll talk this coming week now that the draft is over and we'll reconvene and see if it makes sense or not through dialogue with his representative so uh if you know saquon barkley was franchise tagged with the giants i believe it was around a 10 million dollar franchise tag however he did not or decided not to report to uh or decide he's gonna hold out basically uh, at this moment and not attend like the minicamp stuff um which is really okay because he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing, and he's been on this team for a long, long time. And he's holding out to see basically what can happen, what he can do if he can pull some strings and eventually get you know hold the Giants to giving him a new contract. However, as we already talked about previously, a couple episodes ago when this news came out, um, we expected this, and not only did we expect this, there's nothing that the Giants aren't in uh, ahead for. I guess you could say they're they're. The front runners in the situation they are the leaders they have all the power um there's no maneuvering that you know saquon barkley can do besides asking for a trade but if anything he has to seek it out for at least this season uh, the giants have the leverage in the situation saquon barkley does not so as much as he might want that contract the giants can do whatever they want to you know to offer that or to not um, and I think that's really all that we need to talk about with Saquon Alex. Do you have anything else to add? No, not really. Um, obviously, it'll be ideal for both parties to get a new deal for Catherine for the Giants, for um, you know morale for Saquon and the team. So I think overall, an agreement will eventually become you know will come to fold. I guess you can say, and uh, you know hopefully it ends positively uh, for all. And I guess with that, we can get into day three of the NFL draft. The Giants didn't pick till pick 172 in the fifth round. 
Uh, they didn't pick, I believe it was till like maybe five minutes after three o'clock. The draft started, day three started at noon. So it was over three hours till the Giants selected. Uh, it was certainly tough watching for that long beforehand because obviously we're watching because who knows what if the Giants trade up and then, you know, we need reaction or whatever. Um, but of course, we just sat there for three hours and waited. And of course, the draft's exciting anyway, seeing where all these players end up going. But uh, th- with the 172nd pick, the Giants selected a running back, which we kind of all thought would be something that would be selected in this draft. At some point, uh, Josh and I had a running back, I believe, in each and every one of our seven-round po- or seven round mock drafts. Uh, but we did not have Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, who was the pick. Um, so Gray, uh, he's 5'9", 205 out of Oklahoma, like I mentioned. Um, I'm going to go into his, uh, Josh hates these, but I'm going to go into his RAS score real quick. Uh, so he has a 6.5 RAS score. He ran a 4.6240, um, but a 1.55 10-yard split, which is 87th percentile. So a very good initial burst, which you can see in his film as well. Uh, but his long speed, he's not going to burst you know, for a 80-yard touchdown or a 70-yard touchdown. But for that first 10, 15 yards, he's really, really quick. Uh, and he had a good vertical as well and a good shuttle time with a 4.1. Um, you really see in his film when I looked at it, didn't really know, you know, I knew who he was before the draft, but didn't really uh, do much scouting on him whatsoever um, beforehand. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who he just has such great awareness. His, um, you know, his vision, where what his first move is going to be, getting past that first defender, whether that's a little juke move or just seeing a gap open up in the middle. Uh, you know, he's not one of those guys who you see constantly running, you know, putting up 200 plus yards uh, per game in college, like some of these elite running backs that we see, like Bijan Robinson or Ken Walker from last year, Matt, or um, Brees Hall from last year, another good example, right? He's not going to do that. But in terms of getting those 10, 15 yards, those big chunks that can get you first downs, uh, he is really, really effective and really strong for his size as well. Only 5'9", a little over 200 pounds, but he plays much bigger than that. Uh, and, you know, within the first 20 yards, he plays a lot faster than a 4'6'2". Did you read the note about him? No, I left that for you. Gray ran 213 times for 1,366 yards and 11 touchdowns for the Sooners in 2022. He also caught 33 passes for 229 yards. Let me clarify a couple things. One. I don't hate RAS scores. Uh, okay. I, I just, um, that that's the first thing I wanted to say. I don't hate RAS scores. Um, I just don't like that you flooded our outline <laughs> them and are going to talk about them for every single player that is coming up. So I guess put your seatbelts on listeners and watchers. <laughs> be ready because he's doing them for literally every guy. Not that's the first step, thing. Though. Don't worry. Yes. Okay. The second thing, just like you don't, I'm not going to say you don't like stats. I, you know, I could say Alex hates stats. Um, he doesn't like where I base players off his of stats. I can say the same thing for you. I don't like how people base players off the RAS score. That's great to sky a 9.97 RAS score, and it's the third wide receiver of all time to have a 9.97 RAS score since 1986 when RAS scores have gone back to. That's wonderful. Well, this guy was picked in the seventh round, picked 297 out of West Virginia, and he played one year where he had 600 yards. So listen, stats might be a factor sometimes. Just because he ran fast and he had a good jump here and there and his hands are big, that determines an RAS score as part of determining it. 
RAS scores doesn't mean the entire world just because some guy has a great RAS score. He could never be a successful starter in the NFL. I think so. I think it, there's it three goes aspects. Back and forth. I think there's three aspects to scouting, right? There's the stats like you talked about. There's the athletic testing, the measurables, uh, which is basically what the RAS scores measure. And then there's just the eye test, the character test, the stuff you see on film, the stuff you see uh, when you interact with the player themselves, which is something that we cannot do, obviously, as people who are not scouts with the team or whatever, or, you know, team personnel. But you can look at the film from our point of view. You can look at the film. You can look at the measurables and athletic testing, and you could look at their production. And I think that's kind of how you got to look at it. You know, everything I think is important. And I think with Josh, you know, when he talks about some of their production, when I go through the athletic testing and then we both kind of talk about what we see on film, I think that gives a pretty good uh, overview of what all the what the player is about, in my opinion, at least. And I just wanted to mention one more thing about Gray. Uh, a good pass catcher as well, really effective pass catcher. You mentioned um, his receiving um, a couple seconds ago when you were talking about it, but he has good hands, solid hands. You know, not a great route tree, but that's something that could develop at the NFL level. And uh, so really excited about Gray. I think he can be a, a nice piece in this backfield. And uh, moving on to round six, pick 209. The Giants selected cornerback Trey Hawkins III out of Old Dominion. Um, he's one of those guys who's going to pop off the charts when it talks when you talk about athletic testing and size. 6'2", uh, 188, ran a 4'4", 240. Um, you know, had a really, really good broad jump as well, almost 11 feet. So uh, a guy who really, really sticks out in the athletic testing. Had really good numbers in 2021, which Josh will get to, uh, I believe. But in 2022... You know, had more of a subpar year and, uh, you know, you look at him and it's really more of a guy that, you know, fits the mold of what Wink Martindale wants in terms of a press man corner. Um, good arm length as well, but there's a lot of developing development needed in terms of technique, awareness, ball skills, etc. Um, you know, as a corner. And that's obviously why he's being selected here at the end of the sixth round. Yeah, the, I mean, the one thing I have here stats-wise is that he set the Old Dominion record for tackles by a cornerback with 76 in 2021. Besides that, I don't have anything else. Uh, but yeah, you talk about the athletic skills there, the 9.2 RAS score, uh, a big deal. He was drafted in the sixth round, though, so it doesn't tell you everything. But um, we're going to go back and forth on this the entire episode. But, um, you know, a, a good pick there. And I guess with that being said, I'm do you have another thing on Hawkins? Not, not really. Uh, yeah, there's once you get to these later picks, it's obviously you know there's not as much film, there's not as much info about them, so it it does get tougher here, and you'll see that with the UDFAs as well. Uh, so we moved to round seven now, where the Giants had two picks. Pick two forty three was a defensive tackle, Jordan Riley out of Oregon, and Oregon's pro day back in March. Riley ran a five point two eight second forty yard dash. Not fast for an edge rusher by any means, but Riley makes it up for his lack of speed with his size and strength. 340 pounds, six foot five, came into Oregon from Nebraska in 2022. Uh, he played there for two seasons and before that, his freshman season at North Carolina. So he's been kind of around a little bit. Uh, last season, he tallied 21 total tackles as a member of Dan Lanning's defense, which was more than he had in any of those other seasons. When Shane talked about him, he said, quote, big body guy, it's hard to find these guys. When you get into the seventh round, you are looking for guys that maybe. Uh, it will be hard to get at different areas. And another guy we spent time with, a uh, big run stopper in there, six foot five, three hundred thirty. You walk out to practice, and there's the six five, three thirty pound guy who um, peaks. Oh, peaks! I was like, what? 
piques your interest right there. Uh, again, some of these guys in different schemes uh, may not have the production, the tackles, the sacks, but for what Wink looks for in terms of size, length, knockback, he possesses those traits. So obviously this pick being a Wink Martindale trade, uh, Wink Martindale trade, Wink Martindale pick, um, it seems like that's why the Giants made it. And obviously you could say that for every defensive player, but he's just a big dude. Uh, so it was specifically made for Martindale's scheme. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking this deep into the draft, the defensive tackle class and the interior defensive line class tends to get very thin. And when you see a guy with the tools like Riley at 6'5", 340, uh, I thought it was interesting how Shane not only mentioned his size, length, etc., but the knockback. Uh, and you do kind of see it in film, that initial kind of push uh, that he gives those O-linemen, the, little, the initial knockback, I guess you can say, which is what Shane said. Um, is definitely positive and it's there. And I think that could be something that's important in looking how can a player develop as a pass rusher or even as a run stuffer as well. And I think Riley does have those tools. Uh, you know, nothing crazy. He's not an athletic freak by any means, um, but his size and his, and you could see there's there's hints of potential there uh, for Jordan Riley and just another body to bring into camp on that defensive line. And that's really what you're looking for here in the seventh round and then with the final pick one of the last picks of the draft I think the fourth to last pick if I am correct maybe fifth to last pick uh, is Javarius Ger- uh, Owens out of Houston I thought that name was a whole bunch more complicated than it actually was when I initially saw it um, and he uh, you know another decent athletic tester 9.2 RAS score uh, 4 5 7 40 which is pretty good for a safety um, you know had a really good shuttle as well sub 4 1 and he you know, he's a guy who's going to be a main special teams contributor, but could possibly work um, as a, you know, a backup, a, a more depth piece at the safety position. Obviously, no Julian Love anymore. Uh, he can come in and kind of fit in that, you know, free safety role, but he needs coaching up, especially in, you know, more of the technique aspects, ball skills, you know, route recognition, etc. So uh, an interesting pick here. Uh, I know Josh and I were kind of looking um, a little bit more at some other positions rather than safety at this point in the draft, but it is best player available at, you know, also. So the Giants clearly thought that he was someone that can contribute both on defense and on special teams. A recurring theme I noticed uh, in the day three uh, interviews, press conference with Brian Dable and Joe Shane was he's going to come in and compete with the guys of that position. And that's what Joe Shane basically said for all of these day three guys, because He's right. It's not guaranteed for any of them. The day one and two guys, it's, it's kind of there for them. Obviously, well, John Michael Schmidt is going to be our starting safety. I think we kind of know that already. Uh, Jalen Hyatt. Center, not safety. Safety. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have safety <laughs> on my mind. Uh, John Michael Schmidt is obviously going to be our starting center. We kind of know that already. Jalen Hyatt, yeah, I'll compete with the guys, but he's going to have some type of role in this Giants team as a wide receiver. Um, and... Oh, Deontay Banks, our first round pick, excuse me, is going to be across from um, Adoree Jackson at the cornerback position. So, like, this, we know that. Day three guys, it's a little more up in the air. Like, will they have a chance? Will they not? So, just like everyone else, Owens is going to probably compete with, like, Pinnock and, and other players to back up at the safety position. Dane Brugler of The Athletics said, Owens reads the backfield. This is his quote. Uh, Owens reads the backfield action well for efficient response times as he races to the action. Though his field vision and cover skills were better in zone compared to man, he has the mentality and toughness for downhill run support, but his control and finish as a tackler must improve. Overall, Owens lacks consistency in several areas, including ball skills, tackling, and route recognition. 
However, he anticipates with the aggression, uh, aggressive athleticism pro coaches will uh, appreciate, and he projects as a backup and or a special teamer like Alex mentioned, which can be helpful uh, with NFL coaching. I want to say that's all of the draft picks for the New York Giants. No interior linebacker covered. Yes, it was covered in UDFAs, which we'll get to in a little bit, but no interior linebacker was drafted by the Giants. I was not happy about this. Alex will have his reactions to it, although they are the opposite of mine. He doesn't seem to care less. I don't think he understands that Bobby Okereke cannot play every single snap in every single game of the regular season or the uh, postseason. Uh, There will have to be another linebacker on the field, Alex, whether you like it or not. I know it sucks. I agree. So anyway, let's go back and forth about this a little bit. So here's my perspective. I think the Giants need another player here. I know we have Micah McFadden, and I know we have... um, Beavers. Darian Beavers. Beavers is coming off an injury. He was out the entire year. We have no idea how he's going to come from that. Micah McFadden last year... I'm not going to lie. He was pretty good for a younger player, a later round pick. Um, why not boost that position with another linebacker? I mean, Henry Toa Toa was on that board for a long time. Ivan Pace out of Cincinnati, I think, went undrafted, right? Uh, you look at um, Noah Sewell. He also went for a good amount of time. These were linebackers. I mean, I had a little bit of bias because I scouted them. But these were linebackers that I liked coming out of college, and they were there for a long time. Like, it wasn't a, a bad deal if the Giants got them. Pace going undrafted, and the Giants not even going after to sign him when he was a projected, like, fifth-round pick coming into this draft, I think amazes me. I don't understand why they didn't even... Or maybe they did attempt to sign him. I don't know. I just was kind of annoyed they didn't get a linebacker, and instead they get a safety special teamer. That's who they pick with their last pick. Why not get Ivan Pace there? I don't understand that. Well, what I would say is, number one, the Giants last year played a lot of only one linebacker on the field, partially due to necessity of the fact that they had no good linebackers. But partially, that's just the way Wink Martindale's defense is set up, where you put seven DBs out on the field and actually, you know, three safety sets, um, you know, different types of looks constantly. So the amount of times that there were two interior linebackers on the field last season for the Giants was a rarity, uh, to be completely honest. Obviously, that had partially to do with the lack of depth at that position, but you have Okereke, who's going to be that every-down Mike linebacker. Um, You have Micah McFadden, who's more of a situational linebacker, right? When you're blitzing uh, or on run-heavy downs. You've got Gerard Davis, who the Giants brought in from the Detroit Lions uh, formerly last season. He did decent, again, as more of a situational linebacker as well. You know, ideally, you don't want any of those guys starting and playing at that Mike linebacker role that Bobby Okereke is. So, yes, if Bobby Okereke does go down, that would not be ideal. But you could say the same thing about Adoree Jackson or Dexter Lawrence. Um, well, Dexter Lawrence is not as good of an example because we got better backups there. But uh, you could say the same thing about Xavier McKinney. Right? If Xavier McKinney goes down, do you really have a lot of great options? Not really. So I think overall... You know, you bring in hopefully one of these UDFAs, maybe you bring in another free agent. There's a lot of strong free agents still left at the linebacker position. You know, I think as the summer rolls along and some of these players get a little bit more desperate, they lower their asking prices. The Giants could be in the market for one of those. And, um, you know, I just think it's not the most important. Would it have been nice to get one? Sure. Um, but would have, I would have, you know, would a seventh, would a sixth or seventh round linebacker made that much big of a difference? in comparison to Gerard Davis or Micah McFadden, 
probably not. That's kind of my standpoint on it. Uh, all right, so let's go to the UDFAs now, I think is the next thing we'll transition to. Starting off with cornerback, this is no in particular order, but uh, Jamon Green out of Michigan. Green went from being a liability in the defensive backfield to an asset within the same season, earned his first starting opportunity uh, in 2020. Drew Michigan football fans' attention for all the wrong reasons starting in Week 2 against rival Michigan State. However, by the final game of the shortened season in Week 6 against Penn State, he forced fumble on the field. Has He's had ups and downs uh, the past two seasons with most of his downs, including injuries in both 2021 and 2022, and that's the notes I have on him. Yeah, I mean, you look at his you know athletic traits. He's good height, good weight. Um, a little bit, I'd just say average athleticism ran a four, five, three, forty. um, you know, good, uh, explosion tests with the vert and the broad jump, but obviously a guy who just doesn't really stick out at anything, doesn't really show elite flashes, does get beaten often. Um, and you know, he played with against really good competition at Michigan that has to be said, but there's just nothing really special about him. And there's nothing, uh, you know, that really sticks out to him that shows that he can be a really you know, a much better player at the NFL level than he already is. And I think that's, uh, you know, the reason he went undrafted here. But as some solid depth, another camp body could be a nice addition here for the Giants. Uh, the next player we have here uh, is linebacker Deontay Johnson out of Toledo. Um, he has played for five seasons, actually, at Toledo. So on the older side, um, he is the linebacker. Um, he's a, He was a huge locker room presence, the leader of that linebacker room. Uh, he provided a reassuring voice during times of adversity, uh, and he is a very big motivator in that locker room as well. So more of a locker room presence guy, as I like to call a culture guy. Uh, when I joke about Patty Mills on the Nets, that's what I say. He's only there for the culture, uh, not for actually playing basketball. Uh, you know, not anything special as an athlete, 47640, uh, average height, weight, and speed at 6'2", 235. Um, there's just nothing really much uh about Deontay Johnson to be completely honest Josh you have anything else no no we can move on to linebacker Troy Brown out of Ole Miss appeared in all 13 games with 12 starts at linebacker led the team with 93 total tackles actually finished second on the team with five pass breakups as well and registered four quarterback hurries and one forced fumble he actually has a good RAS uh, score, too, at 7.45. This is crazy. I'm taking over this part. Well, uh, his his 40-yard dash was okay at 4.74. However, uh, his 10-20-yard split is pretty good, as well as his vertical and broad jump, uh, uh, too. However, the height and weight is a little bit different, just coming in around 6 foot and 223 pounds. Um, so, a little bit of a smaller guy at the linebacker position. We'll have to see how that fares for him. Uh, as a signing of a UDFA, Alex, yeah. Yes, uh, I, I would just say in general, I actually did a little bit of research on them. There's a little bit more about Troy Brown than some of the other guys. Definitely seems more of a run blocker, run or not run blocker, excuse me. He's not an offensive lineman. Uh, a run stuffer linebacker. He's going to be a guy you're not going to want to put him against a tight end, uh, you know, or a running back at the NFL level in pass coverage. But on run heavy downs, Kind of like what we've seen with Micah McFadden, a similar type of player where he's good against the run. He's good in blitzes as well. You could see why, you know, Wink Martindale uh, and the Giants could be possibly interested in Troy Brown uh, going forward. So it does provide another piece at that linebacker room. Uh, Moving on now to the big, huge undrafted free agent signing, Tommy DeVito out of Illinois, QB, uh, the Daniel Jones 
replacement. Uh, he's going to be the next Eli Manning, next Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, he was a Big Ten honorable mention after starting all 13 games. He threw for 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns. Uh, he set a Illinois program record with a almost 70% completion percentage, uh, and he was fourth in the nation and best in the Big Ten in that stat. Uh, he was seventh in Big Ten passing yards. He also ran for six touchdowns, so a little bit of Lamar Jackson, a little bit of Joe Montana, a little bit of Tom Brady, uh, and he's 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 lightning quick with a 4.59. That's not even really a joke. That's pretty quick for a quarterback. Uh, you know, good speed, you know, smaller at 6'1", 2'10", but a nice camp body QB here for the Giants from right down the road uh, in Livingston, New Jersey. Livingston or Patterson? I don't know. One of the two. Born in Livingston. Maybe he grew up in Patterson, went to Don Bosco High School, which is pretty close to yeah. us. And New, New Jersey legend. Ability. That's for sure. I guess so. Also, Syracuse. Syracuse legend. legend. There you go. Just Spent, so uh, many legends. 2017 to 2021 at Syracuse, then transferred for this past season to Illinois. And like you said, DeVito, honestly, I would just call him right now the Davis Webb replacement because he's that third quarterback and he'll be used uh, in training camp to help, uh, you know, Daniel Jones. Probably will be a guy that if he stays around, he'll stay around, not on the roster, but on the practice squad, just like Davis Webb did. And, you know, we don't have Davis Webb anymore because he's a coach. So a little bit different. Uh, wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton is the next guy to West Virginia. Actually, you know, the sarcasm and all, this might be the best UDFA signing the Giants made or the most important or the most notable. During his career at uh, West Virginia, uh, Ford Wheaton hauled in 143 receptions for 1,867 yards and 15 touchdowns. And his RAS score, Alex is going to go crazy about this one. It's magnificent, a 9.97. Good in basically everything, except an okay score in the three cone drill. But besides that, his six foot, two hundred twenty one pounds, uh, you know, skill is pretty good. Six four, two hundred twenty one pounds, not just six foot. So very a very big receiver as well, considering. Yeah, and um, definitely a guy that I think is good on one on one matchups. From what I remember, like the little little I read about him. However, even at six four, runs a four point four forty, fast. Very fast kind of guy, uh, kind of guy, guy. He is fast. Um, anyway, that's my stuff on uh, Ford Wheaton. Also a cool name, too. Yeah, very cool name. Uh, he is, he's a really good jump ball receiver. Um, you know, he's a he's definitely a deep ball threat uh, with his speed, with his size. Um, I saw someone compare him as a leaner DK Metcalf, so that's a pretty good, uh, you know, sign there. And he was actually projected to go in the fifth round in most mock drafts. So the fact that he ended up going undrafted, quite surprising. And he has all the tools to be a really elite receiver, um, you know, athletically. But then again, Josh, you talk about his production, not the best in comparison to some of these other wide receivers in this class. But, you know, a 43840 um, with his height and weight is extremely impressive. Um, and you can definitely see the potential there, and I think that's why the Giants are betting on him um, you know, in this undrafted free agent class, and I'm really excited to see what he can do, and hopefully he makes the roster, and if not, the practice squad and sticks around, because certainly a very intriguing player for the Giants. Moving on now to defensive end. Oh, God, this is going to be a tough one for me to pronounce. Uh, ha- Habukuk Baldonado. <laughs> Baldonado, there we go out of Pittsburgh. I'm laughing because I'm just terrible with names. 
Um, he kind of burst onto the scene in 2021, starting all 14 games at defensive end, and he earned a second team all ACC consideration. 2022 was an injury prone season for him. He started uh, all nine games. Uh, he appeared in, recorded five tackles for loss, two sacks, and a blocked kick. Uh, he closed his pit career with 99 tackles, 22 and a half for loss, 15 sacks, two passes defended, and uh, in 40 career games. Um, a very good vert and broad jump, good three cone, uh, just average 40 at 478, uh, adding up to a RAS score of 8.13, undersized at 6'4", 251. Um, but as a, as a stand-up edge rusher, could be pretty productive in the NFL. I was trying to watch highlights there while you were going to see if I can find the spelling, but they everyone just kept on all the announcers kept on saying Baldonado, which I'm sure was on purpose because they didn't want to say his first name either. I assume it's Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Oh, uh, Habakkuk okay. Baldonado, but not 100 percent sure. What did I say? Habakkuk. Hab- you, you said it very so. You were like Haba Habakkuk Baldonado. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just if you go. How, how did it? How did it turn up that I was the one who happened to say the most difficult guy's name? It just always happens. All right, it's just terrible. That's not true, by the intent. way. I've had to do that. I think it's like, recently. I feel like. And then the final guy here, which we have nothing on valid reason. He's a long snapper. Cam Lyons out of Charlotte. We're sorry. And he's probably another guy that is just going to help in training camp because Casey Kreider's a long snapper. And it's going to be a, he's not getting the play. Tough battle, a big training camp mashup. You know how right before training camp, uh, training camp, Josh, we always go and like, what is a camp battle that you're really excited for? You know what I'm really excited for? My number one battle this year. I'm, you know, we're not even anywhere close to that, but I'm ready for it already. I'm writing it down for that episode uh the long snapper battle casey Kreider, cam lyons not happening charlotte graham Cano has a relationship with casey Kreider. it's not happening let's um can i just run through all the guys yeah go for go ahead we have no stats on or like anything on these guys descriptions because we have no idea if they're making the team but they're coming to mini camp tryouts uh next weekend I believe is what it is, or next week, something like that. I'm just going to run through the names. Safety, Alex Cook out of Washington. Linebacker, Orion Vance out of Iowa State. Guard, Khalil Keith out of Baylor. Wide receiver, Garrett Mag out of North Dakota. Wide receiver, Carlos Carrier out of Central Michigan. I think that's how you say his name. Tight end, Kimor Gamble out of UCF. Ten and Ryan Jones out of ECU. I don't even know what that school is. Defensive end, Eric Black out of Stony Brook. QB Hazik Daniels out of Air Force and wide receiver Tariq Milton out of Texas. What is ECU? Eastern Carolina University. I'm going to look it up, but I think it's Eastern Carolina. Yep. I'm actually so smart. I'm the college what knowledge. What logo is that? I feel like I like know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm opening up the, it's the, it's the pirate skull and the two. Yep. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was just confirming. All right, so anyway, we don't need to worry about Eastern Carolina right now. Let's worry about the overall stuff with the draft. We've gone through everything now. We're at this point, and going in order of the New York Giants picks, round one at pick 24 was cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Round two, pick 57. Nine. Seven. 50, pick 57, I did that last episode too. Pick 57 was center John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Round three, pick 71. Three. 73 you couldn't have just opened this up you're trying to do it Jalen Hyde out of Tennessee I'm just so good like that round five pick 172 running back Eric Grant of Oklahoma round six pick 209 cornerback Trey Hawkins out of Old Dominion 
Round 7, pick 243, defensive tackle Jordan Riley out of Oregon. Round 7, pick 253, safety, uh, Javarius Owens out of Houston. See, See, it was tough for me, too. See, it's always tough. Yeah, you got to take a second, take it in, you got it. It looks Um, long and scary, but it's actually not. And with that being said, Alex, what are your grades for each day with these guys? Or not, well, yeah, who the Giants is, basically. Well, I... I would go day one. I think Deontay. I I kind of look at each day, right? Each pick as was this the best pick that could be made at that individual spot? And I think with Banks, it's pretty close to the best pick. Um, so that's why I'm gonna give it an A minus at that uh, for day one. For day two, John Michael Schmitz was the best pick that to be made at pick 57 when they traded up to pick 73. I'd say it was kind of a coin flip between Josh Downs and Jalen Hyatt. They went Jalen Hyatt. I'm fine with that. A plus. Both picks, I think, were the best picks that were possible and a really, really successful day two. And then day three, um, Giants obviously didn't have a fourth round pick, which kind of made it a little bit tougher on everyone. Um, I think Eric Gray was a good pick. Uh, And then Trey Hawkins, I think, is a nice developmental pick. Um, Jordan Riley, I'm kind of eh on. I don't really know yet. And um and then Owens out of Houston, I think there could have been a better selection than him, you know, in the safety position at the end of the seventh round. There are some players that I liked a little bit more at that spot. So I'm going to give day three a B. But then again, it's a little bit unfair because day three uh, is probably the toughest to judge because these are the least known players out of everyone. And uh, I guess we'll do our overall grades now. Josh, what was you? What would you say your overall grade was uh, for the? 2023 class i i would give joe shan and company an a minus i i really think joe shan kind of rocked especially the first two days of the draft and there were players that we knew which was really great and it was i was very happy that that happened all three rounds were players that we knew there wasn't any guys in round two or round three um that were you know as um no i'm not going to say the word but uh, as alex <laughs> yeah, i'm going to say yeah, well, no, I was going to say nobodies, as we like to call. I think that's very disrespectful. Oh, but um, it's disrespectful. <laughs> but anyway, there weren't any of those guys because we knew all of them. Uh, there weren't any who moments like Wondell Robinson last year, uh, which was really nice. And then day three, uh, again, most guys with high upside from what I've read so far. I didn't. These are the guys where I didn't know any of them, you know, coming into this draft, um, except except Gray, who I know who knew very little about. Uh, I knew about Sean Tucker and I knew about Dwayne McBride and both of those guys were available at that pick in round five. The Giants didn't draft them. So that's unfortunate for me. Uh, but, you know, Sean Tucker went undrafted, actually, funny enough. So that's I crazy. I know. Uh, but he ended up signing with the Buccaneers, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, not the point. Um these guys look like they have high upside, and that's what you hope to draft uh, later in the round. So, yeah, I give it an A minus. I think Joe Shan did very well here, and um, like we like we said last episode, Alex, he used his top thirty visits, and he used his athleticism, you know, rankings from his scouts, uh, and that's how he did it. And if you remember, I was actually scrolling through our old episodes. This is all Joe Shane's scouting department now. After last draft, he was here, but he fired Chris Pettit who was the head uh, of scouting of the New York Giants. So possibly this was like, as well. <laughs> this was the first draft um, where it was all of Joe Shane's front office and not just guys from a prior um, department, I guess you could say. Yeah. 
or you know head of leadership so definitely take that into account too yeah for sure I'd give it an A minus two. I know that's boring because you said it, but you know I let you go first, so I look like the annoying one. And uh, what I would say about this this draft is it was one of the most athletic classes that we've seen for the Giants in a while. It was the fifth most athletic draft class out of anyone, uh, except for the Colts, who literally drafted based off of RAF score, which was crazy. Uh, I was joking about that um, a couple days ago because they literally drafted only guys who had a 9.5 or above RAF score which is like insane. Uh, so that's literally what they did. They were just scrolling through. Are the players good though? Like who were their... No, they had, they had a good class. Rounds one through three picks, do you know? They had, okay. They had Anthony Richardson, who obviously is off the charts athletically. Uh, round two, they selected someone. Oh my God, I was just talking about this. Round three, they selected Josh Downs, which was a really good pick. Round two, who did they select, Josh? Now I'm like, not that this is a Colts podcast, but now I need to know. Um, Colts draft, let me see. Colts draft picks 2023. Julius Brent's cornerback. Yes, another athletic freak. 6'4 and ran like a 4'5 and, you know. Blake Freeland in the fourth Another tackle. Yeah, he was probably one of the, I think he was the number one tackle ever in R.A. Oh my gosh, yeah, wow. There's Darius Rush, the cornerback. Another good, yeah. They had a really good draft, yeah. Tight end Will Mallory in round five. It was like all my guys. Running back Aaron Hull out of Northwestern (laughs) in round five. And I actually knew these guys, too. Dang, why aren't we Colts fans? Yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> I, I I scouted, like, in terms of players I scouted and, like, put grades on and all that, I think I did 52 players, exactly. But all of the Colts draft picks, I did scouting and grade on. Grades on. Every single one, which is insane. Really? Even in round seven? Who was round seven? I think. Uh, of course, I closed it out now. Sorry. It's a... I'll, I'll go back right now. I'll go back right now. I have it. Uh... Um... You scouted Jake Witt out of North Northeast Michigan? No, I did, Michigan? I did not. Okay, so no, I did not did do Jalen. Scout- it was J- 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 Jalen Jones out of uh, Texas A&M I did. I didn't do Titus Lee. Yeah, they're six round picks. Yeah, so everything except for those other two guys. Daniel Scott I did, like all those guys I did. It's crazy. All right, well, anyway, we appreciate you listening and or watching this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Hit the subscribe button if you're new. And uh, or if you've been here and you haven't subscribed yet, really appreciate it. Follow us on the social media platforms: Alex on Twitter at ignoring twenty three on Twitter at Joshola twenty nine, the Giant Take Pods on Twitter too at the Giant Take Pod and TikTok as well. The same username: the Giant Take Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and shipstudios.com slash Giant Take to find a bunch of places to listen to the podcast. So for us here, uh, we have had in the last week like five episodes or something like that. So we'll have to see what happens as time transpires uh, and when news transpires as well. So what we're going to do is I think we're going to take a little bit of a break unless there's stuff that happens. We'll be talking about rookie minicamp with as much news as we get when that happens, as well as the schedule release, which should be coming in May 11th. Couple, yeah. yeah, May 11th. So a couple 12 days from now. Yeah. Very exciting. So I don't know if we're going to take a two-week break and wait until the schedule release. We'll have to yeah. see how the news Schedule comes. release is actually extra important for us this year because we're going to be going off to college, so we got to figure out when we could actually go to a oh game, when we're going to be yeah. back. So uh, definitely excited for that, yeah. Yeah, so um, that'll be that'll be interesting. We'll have to figure that out. But I just say we'll see, what, we'll see how it comes. But I'll tell you this. We're going to take at least two days because Agreed. this was two days after our last episode. And the one before that was the day before that. And the one before that was two days before that. So we're going to take a couple days and we'll go from there. Crazy. Oof. 
lot of episodes schedule. but it was a lot of fun a lot of fun no i yeah. i also yeah i really yeah. enjoyed it very much all right all right alex go ahead Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Hope everyone had a great draft weekend. I know we certainly did uh, and are very excited about the future of this team. Make sure to take a little break. I know it's been a lot of TV time, a lot of staring at the TV and NFL Network. You've had enough of Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kuyper, whoever you were watching. Um, and just enjoy the week. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.